Welcome to Done With Debauchery, a sobriety and wellness podcast where you'll hear honest experiences about navigating life and relationships without alcohol, how to pursue your own personal wellness journey, and share intimate conversations with special guests. I'm your host, Keisha Scott. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Done With Debauchery. I want you to know that I have heard you regarding the story about how and why I broke up with my therapist. I'll definitely be sharing that soon. I'm just deciding right now how I want to share the story, whether it'll temporarily be available on social media or if it'll live on the podcast forever, but rest assured it is coming. This week, I have another amazing special guest, and I just have to say that every time I have these conversations and record these episodes, I'm blown away by the women I get to talk to. Everyone has been through something challenging, yet everyone has come out on the other side stronger and more resilient. It just makes me believe we really can do hard things. My guest on the show this week is Elizabeth Dopp. She's the host of St. Louis Sober Meetups. She's a mom and she's honestly just the best. I had so much fun talking to her and learning about her journey to sobriety. She's so relatable in how she talks about her early drinking years to how her personality could change when she drank heavily. And I don't know about you, but I've definitely been there. We also talk about alcohol's effects on our mental health, specifically depression and anxiety, and I talk about drinking while I was taking antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication, which I do not recommend. But this is another conversation I'm so excited to share with you. Let's get into it. Hi, Elizabeth. Welcome to Done With Debauchery. (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to chat with you. I've kind of been watching from a distance, which sounds so creepy to say, but (laughs) you are (laughs) good, good. I feel like it's common in like the sober, like online community, but you're so active on social media, TikTok especially, where you are sharing your experience in getting sober from alcohol. Yes, I put it all out there. (laughs) (laughs) You really do. And I love to see it. I love how open and honest you are. What made you choose to share your sobriety journey so openly? So that was something I did early on in sobriety to hold myself accountable. So I had already had a TikTok, but putting it out there, putting out that I was sober, it, I didn't have a choice to go back to drinking, right? Mm. I was like, oh, I'm four weeks, I'm five weeks. And then I got so far and I'm like, well, I can't go back now. Yeah. I can't disappoint all my friends on the internet. (laughs) No, not all the strangers on TikTok. Perfect. So would you tell us a little bit about your sobriety story, what your life was like before you cut out alcohol and sort of what made you realize you needed to make a change? Yeah. So um, I'll start by introducing myself. I'm Elizabeth. I'm 30 years old. I live in St. Louis, Missouri. So that's the United States for those who are listening outside. <laughs> um, I got sober at the end of last year, right before Christmas. 
I actually got sober on December 21st, 2022 and found out I had COVID on Christmas Eve. So like got sober and then also got COVID. Um, But I had tried to give up alcohol so many times in my life. Um, So I think like to start at the beginning would be great. I started drinking when I was 15. I grew up in a really small town in Missouri and there wasn't a lot to do. I was really active in sports. And I think that was the only thing that really kept me in line when I was in high school. But then when I went to college and I wasn't playing sports anymore, like that's when I noticed I had a problem with alcohol. My drinking was pretty normal compared to other college students, but my mental health was so bad. Mm. I had a lot of trauma that was surfacing and I used alcohol to cope with it. There was a night in college. It's a little hard to tell the story, but it's a good one. Uh, There was a night in college (laughs) where, you know, things really took a turn. I went out drinking and I don't remember a lot from that night, but I'm told that someone found me in a ditch. They thought I was dead and they called 911. And yeah, I woke up in the hospital and the nurse had told me that they had to pump my stomach. I was taken back to my dorms by a police officer and I actually threw up in his cop car. And back then I used to think, oh my gosh, that's a great story, right? I used to like joke about it. And that should have been enough. That should have been a wake up call. But even after that night, you know, I was in college, so I continued to drink. It was normal to drink that much. So besides having extreme low self-esteem, my grades started to suffer. So I got put on academic probation, which meant I had to take a semester off of school and then I could return. I went to a small college town. So like being kicked out of school, I was like, well, what am I going to (laughs) do? Like I had no reason to stay there. Um, I ended up moving back home with my parents. And this was like such a low time for me. College was supposed to be like the best years of my life. And they weren't. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was super depressed and I continued to alcohol, use alcohol to cope. And like I spent the next couple of years partying and I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And I ended up getting pregnant. So now here I am at 23. I'm pregnant. I'm living with my parents and I'm bartending in my hometown. Um, my pregnancy was so unexpected. So once again, I didn't have a plan. Uh, but one upside to being pregnant was that this was the first time I had been sober since I was 15. And I got that like high of being pregnant, which also could have been from like not drinking. I really don't know (laughs) which one, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I re-enrolled back in school and I finally felt like my life was like on track. And during my pregnancy, I didn't drink. It didn't even cross my mind to drink. Um, But shortly after I gave birth, I started drinking again. It didn't take long. Like, I don't even know. I think I was breastfeeding for like six weeks and then like right after I started drinking again. So I never drank around my son, but I would definitely drink whenever I had free time. So my drinking got me in trouble and I actually had to go to an alcohol abuse class. Okay. <laughs> alcohol abuse class. So that was, what was, can I just ask yeah. what, was that like AA or what was that like? It wasn't AA, but it was a court class that was in my hometown. I can't even remember like the structure of it. It wasn't AA, but it was basically like a sober meetup and a check-in, but um, you did drug testing too. So they were like, oh yeah, we're going to meet up and talk and do these activities, but also check to make sure you're not using. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
So obviously that didn't stick with me because I was forced to do this class. It wasn't something that I wanted to do on my own. So then I went right back to drinking. <laughs> and then I spent the next six years just super depressed. And I was looking for a relationship to save me, which is so crazy to say out loud and so toxic. Um, I found myself in many toxic relationships and I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, I was super depressed and very angry. And uh, my drinking was a huge problem in my relationships and I would hold in all of my problems until I got drunk and then I would release them onto whoever I was dating at the time. And um, I would go into these intense mood swings and go crazy and it would be really hard to calm me down. And I almost seemed to seek chaos when I was drinking. And um, I've always been known as the crazy psycho girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Always, always, without a doubt. (laughs) I always knew that my drinking was a problem. And it actually caused me to like, try to quit in 2018. And I did it to save a relationship. So it wasn't for me. Once again, it didn't stick. And I maybe quit for like, three to five weeks. And then I went right back to drinking. So fast forward to the end of last year, when I decided to quit drinking after embarrassing myself at my work Christmas party, I had crossed a line that I never wanted to cross again. And I knew if I kept drinking, I was risking losing everything. So it wasn't until after I quit that I realized alcohol caused all of my problems. And I didn't know that it had made me so depressed and angry. I thought those were symptoms that I already had and that it was just making it worse. And um, there's a quote that describes my drinking perfectly. It says, I didn't get in trouble every time I drank, but every time I got in trouble, I was drinking. I love that quote. I've seen it so many times online and like it is bang on. Yes. Yes. If I look back on all the problems I have, you know, the common denominator is alcohol. Yeah, for sure. And I, like, I think you said so many things that are so important, like in that story, like, especially like that college culture going in, everyone around you is drinking the same way as you. So you don't really have a reason to change. And like when you were in your early twenties, that was like almost 10 years ago now. And I feel like the sobriety movement was so much smaller that- I don't think it was even like- Yeah. To me at that point, like, people who were sober were alcoholics and that's the only thing there was. Like I didn't know anyone who was sober curious. I didn't know that there was this kind of community if there was almost non-existent. Exactly. So it's like, it wouldn't even have been on your radar to like, maybe I should be changing my drinking habits after this really scary and traumatic thing happened to me. Instead you used it as a story, which is something I've done in my drinking too. Like all these like weird, crazy fucked up but dangerous experiences now become like the party story yeah yeah they're the highlight right that was like I remember telling that story thinking I was so cool and looking back it's like that is so unhealthy and so crazy yeah yeah absolutely and so you also mentioned that you noticed that you were experiencing some mental health challenges during the time that you were drinking are you able to share a little more about what that was like Yeah. So, um, like I said, when I was going through it, I didn't know at the time that I was depressed, but looking back, I definitely know that I was depressed. Um, I would self-isolate. I wasn't close to my family. I would almost push them away. I had friends, but they were definitely 
party friends. And I had such low self-esteem, which, you know, affects so many things in life, like to the people who I would date, the things I would do, what I would wear. I was at a really, really low point. And, you know, at my drinking, I wasn't physically addicted to alcohol, but I was psychologically dependent. And I would go back to it every weekend. You know, I knew that it was making me depressed, but it's like, okay, well, the weekend's here or I have a free night. I want to go back. I want to go have a cocktail mm-hmm. and post it to Instagram, you know, that picture perfect yeah. moment, um, but severely depressed. And I didn't know at the time, but with depression comes anger. And I was an angry person. You know, I had talked about being the crazy girlfriend, but I would do things when I was drinking that I would never do sober. And so like, then I'd wake up the next morning and have to almost apologize to people or to myself and be like, why, why on earth did you do that? Like, that's not who you are. Why are you doing these things? Yeah. 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 I know that cycle. It's like, you're drinking because you're unhappy, but you're unhappy because you're drinking, but you're just so caught up in this. And like, we know for a fact that alcohol has such an impact on our brain function, especially in episodes of binge drinking, like you're talking about. So I think that all of those things that you experienced are like such a normal part of the process. Did you like when you were drinking and struggling with depression and anger, did you try any other resources? Like, did you do any talk therapy or you didn't really connect it until you got sober? Yeah. And I also, I didn't do anything, but I hit it really well. So I knew that I was struggling at times. I didn't know the extent of what it was. I didn't know I was in a deep depression and super angry. Um, I was often called bipolar when I was like by people who I dated because they would see these insane mood swings. And um, back when I was drinking, I didn't have a lot of money. Um, I spent it all on, you know, nights out. So I had thought about going to therapy so many times because I'm like, okay, this is, there's something wrong with me. I need to get, you know, diagnosed, I need medicine, but I just never prioritized it. So the money that I did have, I would spend on nights out. I wish I could have gone to a therapist because I think they would have immediately told me like, Hey, you should, you should cut back. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the first step. Yeah. But I think that also when you're in that place, like even if someone was to tell you that you, you don't receive it. Like, like you said, when you tried to get sober before it wasn't for you, it was for other people and for relationships. So I, I'm like a similar kind of drunk. Like there's a period when you start having drinks that you're really fun, bubbly, like you're the life of the party. And then there's this mood shift that like once you hit a certain number of drinks, you like I would turn into like a fucking bitch. Like I would be, <laughs> <laughs> like to put it frankly, I would be so yeah. mean. And like to people that I care about for no reason. So yeah. that was like one of like, the big things for me too. They're just like, why am I acting like this? Like that's not probably who you were when you were sober. Yeah. Yeah. I would never talk to my friends that way sober. No, I always used to call myself a wild card when I was drinking because you truly like never knew what kind of version of me you were going to get. And um, like I said, I hid my problems really well. So like 
in my relationships, I would have these blowout fights and I would seek the chaos, but that wasn't always the case. So like around my friends or even some of my healthier relationships, I wouldn't have those mood swings. So Mm -hmm. like people didn't really know who I was, if that makes sense. Like some people around me, especially when I quit drinking, I was dating someone and we, we had never had a fight like that. Right. But I would always tell her, I'm like, man, you know, like I'm just known as this crazy person. I've done all these crazy things. And she's like, I don't really see that in you. And I'll never forget like one night I had been drinking and I was just sobbing and crying uncontrollably. She's like, oh, I think, uh, I get what you're saying now, but it wasn't, it wasn't the angry side of me. It was like the bad side. So like sometimes I could drink and be fine. And then sometimes I would cry. And then sometimes I'd be want to fight someone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a (laughs) hundred percent want to fight somebody. Like I would be so mean to strangers like at the bar, like anybody who like walked by our area. Yeah. It's just so interesting. Like it totally changes your personality And I I feel like I really did struggle with that as well. And then for my drinking at the end, it was a lot of like drinking alone at home. So I would be so sad, like alone in my apartment, like drinking a bottle of wine, like crying, Googling, am I an alcoholic? So it's just like dark, dark times all around, but my mental health really struggled too. And I was in therapy um, and I was speaking with my doctor at the time for me, I got out of a relationship sort of like mid 2019. And that relationship left me feeling like shit about myself. And that's when my drinking was kind of like escalating as well. So I made the decision with my doctors to actually go on SSRIs, which is a type of antidepressant. Okay, yeah. So I started that in like 2020 thinking that, okay, yeah, I'm depressed. Like I just need to like get out of this funk and then everything is going to change. But then here I am now taking an SSRI and drinking as much, if not more as before. Making yeah, no so scary. So scary. Yeah. Like I don't think people talk about that enough. The antidepressant, being on antidepressants and drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just listening to a TikTok. That's where I get all my information from now. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, with SSRIs, they said you can have a couple drinks. Like, did you continue to drink while on that medication? 100%. I continued to <laughs> yeah. drink. And I was like, I think I was really in denial about how much I was drinking. So I wasn't honest with my doctor who was prescribing the SSRIs. So I had a like my family doctor and then I was seeing um, a therapist on the side, but she wasn't a psychiatrist. So she wasn't able to actually prescribe the medication. So I was telling her one thing and then like kind of giving my doctor like little kind of breadcrumbs around the situation. And they were never in communication to know like the full scope of what was really going on. So yeah, I think if my doctor prescribing actually knew the intensity of my drinking, it would have been a different conversation. Yeah. But I was just so convinced that like, okay, I just need this medication. Um, That'll make me better. Yeah. I also had an anti, (laughs) yeah. And I had an anti-anxiety for a little while because I was having like full-blown panic attacks and so instead of taking those not drinking i was just taking it all at the same time and drinking which just made everything snowball and get worse yeah you know it's crazy because um hearing you say that so i even now that i'm sober i know that i have like 
a little bit of depression. I think it might even be just like normal, like highs and lows. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, sometimes my anxiety can be like, I'll be riddled with anxiety, but it's like, okay, also I had coffee and I didn't eat, you know what I mean? Like one of those, but now that I'm sober, I can like feel all of those feelings. I can process them. Like I couldn't process them before. It's like, okay, well, yeah, you're depressed. What now? What are you going to do to get you out of this funk that you're in the sad moment? And same with anxiety. It's like, okay, well, if you have anxiety, what's, what's the root cause of this? Yeah. And that's something that you can really face in sobriety. But so for you, like, what were those first few weeks or months like when you cut out alcohol and now you're sitting with all of your emotions? How did you handle that? Uh, I love this because I really haven't talked about it much, but I remember those so vividly. So like I said, I gave up alcohol right before Christmas. Um, and then I had COVID So when I had COVID, I was like super, super sick and I didn't want to drink. So then after I got done with COVID, it was like January and, you know, everyone's in their healthy stage. And so it made me feel better about not drinking. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I just embarrassed myself so much. And then now I'm in January, new year, new me. Um, (laughs) I was definitely like, like I read a book called quit like a woman that my cousin had recommended to me. So it's like the sobriety Bible. <laughs> it is. Oh my gosh. Um, I love that book. I recommend it to anyone who's thinking about quitting drinking, but I read that and it validated everything I was going through. So all of those emotions, those like things that probably would have led me back to drinking. I was like, well, this is normal. Like, of course you're feeling this way. You, mm-hmm. you have to untrain your brain. So like I did, it was winter and winters here get very, very nasty. So like it was winter, it was cold. I was definitely like processing everything. And at a very, like, if it was summer, I think it would have been completely different, but it was winter and I would isolate myself a lot, which Mm -hmm. I'm known for doing, but you know, I did work through everything. You know, like I found that I was a pattern drinker So yeah, I didn't drink every day. I didn't drink every week, but when I had free time, if it was like coming home from work, if it was like a weekend where I didn't have my son, I would be drinking. So I had to find things to entertain my brain. I had to find new hobbies, new things that like, okay, what are you going to replace like that drink with to treat your mind, reward your mind? Mm -hmm. And did you find that you kind of had to figure out what your hobbies actually were now that drinking wasn't an option? Yeah, I actually learned that I didn't have any hobbies before. Everything I did was around drinking or, you know, doing nothing. So I had to find new hobbies and find out what I liked. That was really hard for me because I had realized in the past, you know, like how I said I seeked relationships to save me I would almost become that person and I would mimic who they were so like now it's just me and I'm very very single and I'm like well what 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 do you like what do you want to like what do you like doing um and even now I find myself like being busy with work and like not exploring and doing as much you know in the winter months but I'm okay well you love to be creative you love puzzles you love working out and like going to the gym is a hobby for me. I like being social and like building myself up or like with people around me. I love that. And so you're nine months sober right now. Yeah. 10 months. Yeah. Next week. Congratulations. <laughs> yes, so yeah. I feel like our timelines are very similar because I'm eight months sober right now. Um, 
And I'm going through the same thing, like experiencing what are my hobbies? Like, like, let's say somebody asks you, what do you like to do for fun? (laughs) Sit on the couch? Like, (laughs) that's how I felt. Yeah. So it's so hard to, to try and like find all those new hobbies, but I love that you're doing it. And you also are hosting meetups in St. Louis. I am hosting meetups. So I got sober last year, the end of last year. And in those early months, I didn't have a lot of resources. I didn't even know to look for resources, if that makes sense. Like that book was recommended. But other than that, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get on TikTok and share my story. And I got on TikTok and I realized there is a huge community of people And I started listening to different podcasts and one of them was a sober girl's guide podcast, which you were just on the small world. But, um, one of the guests on there, her name is Jody. She does sober meetups in Alton, Illinois, which is very close to St. Louis. It's about a 40 minute drive. So I heard her name and I immediately was like, wait, what, who is this girl? And, um, I followed her on social media and I started going to her meetings once a month. And after going to a couple, I was like, I need to do this in my city. Mm -hmm. One, the drive was like after work, I'm like, man, this is great. But like, I want to be doing this more often, like in my town. So I went, um, where did I do it? Oh, the arch grounds. So have you ever heard of the arch in St. Louis? No, I don't think so. Oh my gosh. It's like what St. Louis is known for, right? It's the arch. And so they have this like really beautiful um, state park that they did. It's downtown St. Louis. And so I hosted my first sober meetup there. We all sat around on blankets and just shared our stories. And I took what I had learned from Jody and her meetings and what I wanted to do in mine. Mm -hmm. And now I have a sober community in St. Louis, which is wild. I love that. And how many people on average come to your events? Yeah. So we've only done three because I I do them every other week. So um, yeah, it's always like, I don't know, probably like five to 10 people. I love that. It's like a nice intimate size that you can actually get to know them. Very intimate. Yeah. That's amazing. I think it's so important to have a community of sober friends as well. So you did mention that some of your friends through your drinking years, like you did lose them getting sober, but Mm -hmm. how is your dynamic with your friends that do still drink? Yeah. So um, with my job, I work in marketing for an entertainment district. So I'm around alcohol like all day long and all my friends through work, you know, they still drink and even friends who aren't through work who drink. Um, Everyone's been very respectful of my sobriety. You know, no one's questioned it or pressured me to drink. Mm -hmm. And um, the dynamic I have with friends who drink now, just sharing my story on TikTok and on social media you know, they'll come to me and be like, yeah, hey, that really helped. And I really relate to that. And I'm like, oh, yes. Like, I never thought that it would lead to this. Um, But it's great. And, you know, no one's feeling judged by me. I'm not feeling judged by them. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very respectful relationship. That's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so hard to be like in your 30s, living in a major city, and Mm -hmm. like, to not drink, like, there's so much pressure to drink alcohol, even when you've put out into the world, like I'm sober, like I'm not drinking and maybe not from your friends, like you said, but just like the alcohol industry in general, is that something you experience? 
Yeah. So it's funny because with my job now I do marketing, like I said, for an entertainment district, some of it is restaurants, but restaurants, bars. So I do some of the marketing, right? Like my Mm -hmm. restaurant offers, we have like a zero proof section on our menu. We have an NA beer, like that makes me feel good about what I'm doing. Like Mm -hmm. having that job, getting this job that I'm doing now in marketing got me sober, which is why I continue to do it. I don't know if I'll continue to do it my entire life because it is around alcohol. but for right now I love it but I will say like my job I am around alcohol all the time and the marketing of it and I work in a co-working space and there is um there's beer there's wine you know available you have to ask (laughs) you have to get permission it's just right there and um a lot of the events like happy hours we do are like involved drinking. And we've actually kind of steered away from those happy hours and do more like activities. We went and did like an escape room. We'll do lunches sometimes and we'll do like activities, um, you know, like physical activities where drinking isn't even, you know, brought up, which is great because I definitely felt like in the beginning, um, I'm like, how am I going to, I felt like I was standing out, but I was like, how am I going to navigate being in a corporate world, being in my thirties in a big city and not drinking and being happy about it when everyone else is thriving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are so many offices like that in Toronto too, like startups or like businesses that are trying to have like a cool company culture that really do like, they might have like a ping pong table in their office, but then it's like a fully stocked, like alcohol cart one of my old uh, offices that I work for actually did that. It was like Friday afternoon, like happy hour and you pop in and like drink alcohol and play games. Yeah. Well, that's like what, you know, like the night that I quit drinking, I was at a work Christmas party that like they gave us an open tab. And, you know, for me, as someone who's mm-hmm. drinking heavily, I remember double fisting wine and being like, well, it's free. Like, why not? Yeah. But that was the culture at the time. Um, and even now, like, I, I want to say, because I'm feeling this so much with October, sober October and like the sober curious movement, um, I actually made a TikTok about this today, but it's becoming, not drinking is becoming more normalized. I don't think it's fully normalized, but more normalized. Yeah. And it makes me feel so much better about being sober and not drinking, you know, like the option, the NA options. Um, I went to the store yesterday and there was a whole section of NA beer and like cocktails. I'm like, okay, this is amazing. I love that. Do you like like non-alcoholic cocktails or non-alcoholic wines and beers? Yeah. So I love the NA wine and I love the NA beers because they feel and taste like, you know, like the alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and I almost have to limit myself with the NA beers because if I get a six pack, I could easily drink that in a day or two. <laughs> And I feel like I feel myself like doing that, like constantly just going to get a beer to yeah. satisfy that craving. And I'm like, well, is this good? So I have yeah. to like really like not get it every every day and keep it stocked. But every so often, that's how I treat myself. You know, like the end of the day coming home, I still crave that, you know, punctuation mark at the end of the day. And I'll crack open a beer and I'm like, oh, I'm normal. This yeah. is great. And that's what I was going to ask. Like, do you think that you're craving alcohol in those moments or you're craving like the ritual of it? Oh yeah. Like I said, I was a pattern drinker. So for me, it's definitely that pattern, that ritual of like, okay, well now what do you do? Mm Because the alcohol itself, um, I do think that alcohol is an acquired taste, 
you know, um, it, tastes, it actually tastes bad. <laughs> it does. It does. And I love like, so I do a lot of the NA spirits and I will say like, I've had people try them. They're not as harsh as like alcohol, but mm-hmm. even when I was drinking, I didn't like straight up like tequila or whiskey or like, it didn't taste good to me. I always had to mix yeah. it with something to down it. So even now I'm like, okay, love the NA beers. I'll do like the tequila and like a spicy margarita. But um, yeah, I mean, alcohol was nothing like it never tasted great to me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I still have that like ritualistic, like romanticizing of alcohol as well. Like I love non-alcoholic cocktails and drinks and like my cupboard in the kitchen is like stocked. Like I'm like on a buying hiatus. Like I'm not allowed to buy anymore. But I have a bottle of like non-alcoholic rosé in the fridge that like it's been in there for over a week. And I'm like, that would never happen. Oh, even hearing that, I'm like, that's amazing. (laughs) I know. It's so interesting. But I, yeah, I get just wanting to like have something at the end of the day. And for me, it's like that kind of like 8.30 p.m. like time when I would normally be drinking alcohol that I'm just like, I need something. Yeah. And something other than just water too, because obviously- I talk about this all the time. Like when I go places, I want to see more NA products in bars and restaurants because like when I see a menu that's like, okay, you can have juice or you can have water. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, I want the actual NA products that make me feel yeah. included. Yeah, me too. And it's just disappointing. I feel like, especially like for me in a city like Toronto, I'm like, mm-hmm. get it together. I know. And I, okay. So on my TikTok, I work with a lot of brands and also I work like, like I said, in the entertainment district. And I realize it's very complicated just getting non-alcoholic beverages in sometimes, mm-hmm. but I would love to eventually like be a distributor for some kind of non-alcoholic company because I'm like, okay, I want to see these products in these bars and restaurants. I'm like, well, yeah. maybe I should, maybe I should be the one to do it to make that move. Yeah. Make that introduction. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw um, your liquid death uh, PR package you have. And I don't know if we have it in Canada, but is it delicious? It's good. So um, I will say the white liquid death is just water in a can. So that one is water, but the black one is the sparkling water. And it's something about sparkling water that's just like a little sweet to me. It's Mm -hmm. enjoyable. Um, They have flavored too. One thing about Liquid Death that I really, really like is I made a video about it. It went viral. They sent me a PR package. And after like I made that video and it went viral, I found out in the comments, it's not just to like blend in and look cool. You know, plastic isn't becoming as recyclable as it used to be. And the whole slogan is Liquid Death, Death to Plastic. So like a lot for the environment, which I think is awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like a product that you care about that actually has a meaningful cause. Yeah. And they have, I mean, they have amazing merch and like their PR team is so good. So I'm like, okay, you guys are just doing this right. Like, yes, you guys are water flavored water, but you're just yeah. killing <laughs> Yeah. And like yeah. the amount that we will pay for a flavored water, like if it's delicious. <laughs> yeah. I, I have no problem paying more for like water, like, like liquid death or an NA beverage. Like I don't mind, you know, mm-hmm. I'm still drinking less than what I would have in the past. Yeah. I don't mind the same price for a cocktail or a beer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so um, you mentioned you have a son. I just wanted to ask how your relationship with him and how your your parenting has changed since you stopped drinking. 
Yeah, so he just turned seven yesterday. I saw happy birthday to him. <laughs> I have a little man on my hands. He's crazy. <laughs> so much energy. Like I said, I never drank around him because my drinking was like, okay, I want to party. And I never mm-hmm. got around him. And even those like relaxing drinks at the end of the night, I never really had around him because that wasn't relaxing to me. Yeah. But I will say like, and you can probably relate to this too and anyone who's sober, but when you like give up alcohol, quitting alcohol was the catalyst for so many things that changed my life. So like my um, like attention span is better with him. I'm not as quick to react emotionally. I have more patience with him. I have more energy. I don't know how many days, like, yeah, I didn't drink around him, but I would go pick him up from my parents or whoever hung over. And I didn't yeah. have like, the energy to do things. And um, he does know that I don't drink. And, you know, he's very aware. And he's like, oh, I, I don't want to try beer. And then some days he'll be like, well, I'm going to try it once. And I'm like, well, oh, I'm like, you, you, you can do whatever, you know, you want. Um, I'm just trying to set that example for him, yeah. you know. Um, but I definitely can tell that my parenting has improved. Maybe it's not like directly tied to drinking, but I mean, essentially it was like the catalyst that like changed everything else. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just like getting to the point where like your nervous system like is regulated from being sober, you're able to like work through things, have like meaningful and meaningful conversations. Like you said, like not react, like respond, take the time and respond. Yeah. And I just feel like my memory is better too. I mean, so many things. I just feel more with it. I feel more present, which, you know, maybe he doesn't know yet, but he can probably tell a difference. Yeah, Um, for sure. Yeah. But it was, it's crazy because getting sober, like I said, that was the first time that I was ever um, truly sober. Like getting pregnant was the first time I was ever truly sober. And um, I felt so good during pregnancy. So good. And I have no idea if that was just Mm -hmm. the pregnancy hormones or what, but, um, man, I wish I never went back to drinking afterwards because that could have really, you know, changed my life back then. Yeah. But I guess what's important is that you're doing it now. (laughs) Doing it now. Like there's a, there's a TikTok where it's like, I wish it would started sooner. It's like, well, you didn't. So like, yeah, I feel like again, I'm 30 years old and I had made more progress in the last nine months than I have my entire adult life. Like I remember drinking and just being so down and depressed and in that cycle and thinking I could never do better. And now that I'm sober, it's like, I can see things through. I know that I'm actually capable of doing things and it's so, um, it feels so good. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I can see the progress that I've like made physically and then mentally and, um, like, yeah, I should have started sooner, but here I am now making I, crazy progress. <laughs> I feel the same way. It's like, you look back and it's like, once you're coming out of like that drinking spiral, when you're just so used to letting yourself down and disappointing yourself to actually be showing up and being like, am I reaching the goals that I've set out for myself? Feels yes. so good. So good. I know exactly how that feels. Oh. Perfect. So as a final question, I like to ask everyone, what's one thing you wish you knew about sobriety before you stopped drinking? Oh my gosh, that it's so much better than drinking. (laughs) I used to think that getting sober would be so boring and I would lose everything and I'd have to become this person who I'm not, right? Like I didn't know who I was, but I thought I'd become someone who just wasn't me. And now that I'm sober, I actually know who I am. 
for the first time ever. And um, my life is so fulfilling and the relationships that I have are so much more real and beneficial. Um, yeah, I, I really wish that I could go back and tell myself, you know, like, this is great. Your life is just now starting. I love that. Yeah. And so where can people find you online? How can they come to your sober meetups? Yeah. So, um, for Instagram, I'm Elizabeth underscore dot. And then my sober Instagram is St. Louis sober. And I post on both my personal and sober account, the meetups, um, they're happening every other week, every other Wednesday in St. Louis. And then on TikTok, you can find me at Elizabeth dot. And that's where I share everything. It's like my therapy session. Like I'll go <laughs> on there, I'll just do story times. I try to be, you know, funny about sobriety. Yeah. It's like an online journal, truly. Yeah. And the thing I love about TikTok too, is that it, it does go to strangers. You know, like my Instagram is more people I know and Facebook is more people I know, but TikTok is just out there. Amazing. Well, <laughs> I'll make sure to tag all your accounts in the show notes so people can easily find you. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. This is Keisha signing off on another episode of Done With Debauchery. If you liked what you heard, please share and subscribe. You can also find me at donewithdebauchery.com or follow along on Instagram at donewithdebauchery. Thanks for listening.